Deuteronomy 7, verse 21. Thou shalt not be affrighted at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible, terrible. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. So I take my subject from the text, little by little. I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go today. This is an experiment on my part. And um, I'm, I'm going to try to uh, answer um, a personal question of mine. And possibly, I'm hoping that by answering a question that I've had for some time, it, I'm, I'm hoping it's possibly a question that you've entertained as well. I, 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 um, I want to deal with um, the, the dismal speed <laughs> of, uh, I guess, what you would call apostolic success. Why don't things go faster than they do? Is there anyone here besides me who gets very frustrated at times with the pace of your personal journey and, and with how things go on a larger format in the church. Why aren't we further down the road than we are? Why, uh, why are things going much slower than I want them to go? Is there anyone here along with me who gets confused with what I guess you would call the pace of your progress. It has nothing to do with our inability. Um, I'll put you up against any church in this city and in this country. I believe in you, and when I see the quality and the character of the people that call this church home, I am always impressed. And uh, last Monday, we were having a session. Mike Natto's doing such a great job getting people up to speed, preparing for going to two services when Pentecost. We were going to do it at Easter, but we'll do it on Pentecost Sunday. Easter's not the best day to try and something like that, so we're going to push it off for two months. But they're working hard, and uh, when I, I just looked around that room, and that room was full of people, and every one of them, I was just proud, to be honest with you. I was, I was just made me smile at the quality of the team that uh, meets here every week and works so hard to... Uh, put a good product out. And uh, um, 
I am convinced that it's not going as fast as I want it to go, and I don't think it's going as fast as you want it to go. But I am convinced that this has nothing to do with your or my inability. And I don't think it's because of the superiority of the enemy that we are fighting. So I want, I want you to quit beating yourself up about possibly thinking you're not good enough or how huge and how intimidating Satan is. We, this, this, this is a success-driven culture. Um, there, there are three uh, gods in this culture. And when I say gods, I, I, I mean with a little g. Um, <clears throat> one of them is sports. Sports is a, is a god in this country. And um, another one is sex. It's such a, a sexually driven, so many times that's used to promote and sell things. But the third God of this world is success. I, I, I want to re remind you that there's only one time in the Bible that the word success is used. It's in the book of Joshua, chapter 1 and verse 8. And it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein both day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in that book. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. It's the only time in the Bible the word success is used. However, there's another word that I think is very pertinent for my lesson here today, and that's the word faithful. The term faithful is used many, many, many times in the Bible. And when you combine faithful and faithfulness it's, it's hundreds of times in the Bible. Listen to me very carefully. God has not called you and me to be successful. I didn't say that the Lord doesn't want you to be successful. What I said was, he didn't call you to be successful. Listen to this verse. Revelation 17, John prophetically saw Jesus Christ returning to the earth. And it said, And they that are with him are called, chosen, faithful. 
when you meet the Lord, and everyone in this room will meet him. There's almost, what is there, there's over 7 billion people on this planet right now. I've learned through the years of pastoring, everybody wants to go to heaven. Uh, not a lot of people are interested in going right now. But uh, everybody, especially in funerals, nobody's lost anymore. <clears throat> I, I perform my share of funerals and I attend my share of funerals. It doesn't matter where I go. Every preacher that I've heard puts the dead safely in heaven. I guess that's true to a point. Everybody does get to go. It's just everybody doesn't get to stay. Because there will be a judgment, and some get to stay, and some don't get to stay. And... Uh, <clears throat> You will meet him one day. And it says in the book of Matthew 25, Jesus himself taught this. That you're going to hear him say something to you that goes like this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You see, I do not believe the Lord has called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. And if you are faithful in his eyes, you are a success. God's ability to do stuff in our lives is not in question, nor is his willingness to help us in question. I never tell Draylon what I'm going to preach. I don't have to. Every time he hooks up with me in the spirit, and it happened again today. Ladies and gentlemen, according to this word, dream whatever you want in the Lord. And he can exceed it. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above everything that you talk about or think about. But it's dependent on the power that works in us. Which tells me it's up to me to set the bar. Whatever I think about and whatever I talk about, he will exceed that. So if all you talk about are small goals, a small group, a small harvest, a few miracles here and there, he'll, he'll do more than that. So I'm saying, what do you got to lose? Let's talk about great things. And let's think great things. Because whatever you talk about and whatever you think about, he'll exceed that. So I want to raise the bar as hard as I can get it. 
because he's going to do more than I ask or think if I'll let faith operate in my life. So believe God for phenomenal things because there is not one thing that you can present to God that he can't accomplish except lie. Guess he can't do that. There's a verse in the book of Matthew chapter 8. It always amazed me. He goes to this city called Capernaum, and this man comes to him and says, I need you to come home with me. My, 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 My child is in trouble. And Jesus said, no, I'm not coming home with you. Go thy way, thy son liveth. He went home, got home the next day. Boy was healed. And it's specific at the seventh hour, one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm convinced the reason that time is in there is because that was the moment when he heard the word of the Lord, obeyed it, and, and like the lepers, as he went, his son was healed. Three weeks later, he comes back to the same city. A Roman soldier comes up to him and says, Master, my servant is dying. Jesus does the exact opposite. He said, well, I'll come home with you. And he said, no, 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 you don't need to do that. I know what you did three weeks ago. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And in the book of Matthew, this is what it says. He marveled. I, I want to pray and say things that make Jesus go, wow. wow. Not, not because he's intimidated by what we're asking, but that he is so impressed that we really believe he can do that. He can do it. It's just not everybody that believes it. But when you and I pray prayers... And say things that make the Lord go, it's my boy down there. Did you hear what my girl just said I could do? (laughs) I I want us to pray those kind of prayers and say those kind of things. Because he's never going to be intimidated. He's never going to second guess himself. He's just impressed that we would believe He could do something that great. And he said, there were lots of lepers in Israel, but Naaman, who was a Syrian, was the one that got healed. This guy here, he's not a Jew, he's a Roman. He said, you you figured it out. And all all the Israelites haven't got a hold of it yet, but you did. See, Calvary paid for a greater harvest then you and I can ever wrap our brain around. It's not his will that any should perish. He wants the whole bunch to be saved. And that's what Calvary's all about. I found this verse this week. It says, And Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger. (laughs) He went to a place that his dad had never been. He saw things his dad had never seen. I think in the spirit, 
That's what's going on in the apostolic church right now. I think we are entering into a place that our elders have never been. I think we're going to a place where our parents have never seen. This past year, 37,000 young people gathered in St. Louis for what I'm told is the largest gathering of young people in America that year. This was not a rock concert. This was not a smoke out where people were celebrating a little bit of cannabis. This was 37,000 Jesus name, tongue talking young people that are excited about serving the Lord. Our parents never saw anything like that. This is brand new. If you go back in my office, I'm a part of something called the United Pentecostal Church. Sometimes it's not that united, but uh, it's a minister's organization. And I have a picture, 1944, before there was what was known as the merger. In 1945, two apostolic groups came together to form what was called the United Pentecostal Church. I have a picture in my office of the whole bunch in 1944. I have the picture of the whole bunch the year after the merger, 1946, in St. Louis. That get Everybody was there. Every licensed preacher was there. All the superintendents were there. All the presbyters were there. Most of the people that called themselves Pentecostal in America were in that meeting. And yet you get it in one picture. But right beside of it, I have a picture that was taken several years ago in Ethiopia where the crowd is over 600,000 people. It's so big, the sun actually blots out. You can't see all the people. And when the meeting was over, there was over 150,000 people who claimed to have been filled with the Spirit and spoke with tongues. And people said, well, that's just a, a, a general number. No, no, no. In Ethiopia, they have what are called the books of life. And if you claim to have been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues, you've got to put your name in the book. Not only your name, you've got to put your parents' name, and, and, and if possible, put your wife's parents' names. They record it. They had over 150,000 names of people who said, for the first time in my life, I was filled with the Spirit and spoke with tongues. Huh. There's nothing like that in the Bible. The biggest number in the Bible was a time when about 5,000 were filled with the Spirit. After that, the count was lost. I'm convinced you and I are going to go to a place that would seem strange to our parents and say, wow. Look at that youth group. Wow. Look at that church. Wow. Look at those ministries. Never saw anything like that. I, I, I believe God for that. The question is not, can God handle it? The question is, can we handle it? It must always be echoed and repeated that it's not about 
our prosperity. It's about what brings him praise. Can you get a miracle touch from God on your life and not go stupid? Can God do an amazing thing for you and you not let it go to your head? Why don't things go faster? I'll tell you why. It's not you. It's him. It's not about my fame or your fame. It's about his name. Listen to this verse. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. The message says, when she heard about his connection with the name of the Lord, Solomon had convinced his world that the reason I have what I have is because of the name of the God that I serve. So it's not about our reputation. It's about his praise. In our solar system, there are billions and billions of stars. But in his solar system, there's only room for one star. I found this about a guy named Uzziah in the Old Testament. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host, shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on towers and upon the bulwarks or the walls to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. And I think that's you and me. I think right now we are being marvelously helped. <laughs> I remember the first time I drove a school bus. And uh, I, I remember stomping that thing to the floor. <clears throat> and all I could get was 52 miles an hour. And that was it. I knew it had a big old engine. I knew it could go faster. But it had what's called a governor on it that wouldn't let me go any faster, no matter how much I stepped on that pedal. I am convinced that our success has a God-placed governor on our lives. Because there is a difference between growth and swelling. I am overjoyed that my dad is here today. I love you, Daddy. I love you. My dad told me a story about a man that he worked with who had cows, and he was too cheap to feed the cows really good grain. So he mixed 
a lot of salt pellets in the hay, and he closed the gate to the pond that was on his farm. And several days before market, he fed these cows all this grain with salt pellets in it. Two days before market, he opened up the gate to the pond. And these cows who were so thirsty just went and stood in that pond for a day drinking. And the next day he took them to the market. They looked like big old fat steers. And they got premium prices. But when the people bought them cows and took them home, it just took a couple days to where you could count their ribs. Smack them with a spoon, they sound like a xylophone. That's not growing. That's swelling. I was going to bring a hammer here today and see if I could get me a volunteer. I was going to hit you on the head. And right while I was preaching, there'd be a big old bump on your head. You weren't growing at all. You're just swelling. The Bible said we plant, we water, but only God can make it grow. The Bible says in Matthew 15 and 13, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. See, God wants everyone to be saved. It's not his will that any should perish. See, not only does the Lord want the lost to be saved, he also wants the saved to stay saved and not be lost trying to become a success. It's possible, according to Corinthians, that everything you've done can be burned up and yet you still be saved, even so as by fire. See, the Lord will not sacrifice your salvation for the benefit of his kingdom. He doesn't want anyone lost trying to grow his kingdom. And boy, have I seen my share of those. People that worship at an altar called success. I'm doing this for the Lord. No, you're not. You want to be a success. You want people to look at you and go, ah. It's not the opinion of people that matters. It's a Lord that will say, well done. Good and faithful servant. That's the truth. In Psalms 106, this is what it says. He talking about Israel where they wanted a, a king. It said, he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. I don't want to get what I want in the kingdom. And the, the trade is my soul is leaner. I might have the same mark on the wall. It's just, it's not this wide anymore. It's only this wide. It looks like it's as high as it's ever been. But you can be five miles wide and a half an inch deep. That's why it says, I, 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 
I, I, I want you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the gauge is the soul. Get that one healthy. Did you ever feel something in the spirit and yet you could never find a verse to validate it? I've had this happen to me so many times where I would, I would sense something, but I couldn't find any biblical validation for what I felt, so I wouldn't say anything about it. I found a verse that, that, that describes that experience. It's in Acts chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost gave commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. I've had experiences in the Spirit where I feel like I was given something in the Holy Ghost, but I didn't have any Bible to back it up. But if it is legitimately from the Spirit, eventually you're going to find it. And I found mine. See, I don't believe God blesses churches. I believe God blesses ministries. And the church is only blessed to the degree that the leadership and the ministry is blessed. I'm not talking about you giving me money or exotic trips or prizes and presents. That's not what I'm talking about. A rising tide lifts all boats, and water can never go above its source. In other words, if that pastor doesn't live in such a way that he has the blessing of God on his life, I don't believe the church will be blessed. And I'll tell you why I believe that. There's a story in the Bible about two champions, David and Goliath. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. In chapter 17 and verse 8, it's obvious Not only did Saul set the Israelites in array, but the Philistines set their army in array. If you've ever seen an old movie about them, the old battles in the Civil War or when Britain used to take on, man, they just, they put all these guys up there on one hill And the other army put all their guys and they just start marching towards one another. And that's what we're talking about. Here's Saul, got all of his battalions, all of his soldiers, all of his armies and his horses, and it's all there. Here's the Philistines over there, they got all their guys. And all of a sudden, out of the Philistines comes this monster, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of his day. And this is what Goliath said. Goliath said this. We're not going to do it today. 
the way it's always done. This is what we're going to do. I am the champion of this army. You choose one man that's a champion for your army. And the armies aren't going to fight. The champions are going to fight. And whoever wins, the other army is going to be the servant. Deal? Challenge accepted. So if you know your Bible, it wasn't two armies that met that day. It was two men, David and Goliath. You send out your champion, we'll send out ours. My lesson is very simple. It really hinges on what happens to the pastor. I am convinced in the spirit, it's not just about a church against the enemy. I am convinced there's got to be a man that steps out of that crowd that's willing to take on their champion. And that's why every church needs to pray for their pastor and for his family. Amen. I, I, I have to preach tonight in another church, and I'll probably preach this, and I'll preach it much more intense than I am right now. This is not an easy thing for me to preach to the church that I'm responsible for, but it is a concept that you need to understand, because anointing doesn't come on the body. It says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like ointment, precious ointment that comes first on the head. Then it goes down the beard, even Aaron's beard, who is the priest. And then it goes to the skirts of the garments. As the dew is on Hermon's mount, there I have commanded a blessing forevermore. What he's saying is, the people have to be together. Because if the people are together, there is an anointing that will come from the head of the church, which is the Lord, onto the priest, which is the pastor. And then from that, it runs down through the rest of the body. And he said, just as sure as you can plan on dew being on the top of Mount Hermon every day, you can plan on anointing being on the pastor if the church will be unified. That's why if you are pastored by a man that is full of doubt, that has no joy, that has no victory in the Holy Ghost, you need to go somewhere else. Because it is imperative in the ministry to have faith, power, joy, liberty. And that's not your job to give that to me. That's my job to find it.
Because what happens here is going to happen out there. And this is an arrogant statement, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I'm going to preach it to pastors till I die. The church can only grow as fast as the pastor grows. I can never take this church to a place that I have not gone there myself first ahead of you. It's not possible. And this is why prayer is so important. It's always been important, but it's more imperative now than ever been. I proved when we launched the Royal Oak Church that I was willing to shelve my own personal ambition in order to build other churches. But that thing that I was willing to let die is, is alive again. And I, uh, I am absolutely convinced that we'll have another church in that grass. I, I've already been there. I live there. I could never take you there if I've never seen that, but I've seen that. And that's why watch as this prayer meeting grows. It's not mandatory. This is a sweet savor offering. You're coming because you want to come, not because the pastor said be there or else. The Bible said that Moses knew his ways, but Israel knew his acts. It's one thing to be able to be smart enough to realize when God does something. It's a whole other thing when you understand how it accomplished. See, people that don't pray have never made the connection. See, service is not the battle. The battle's in prayer. And you win the battle in prayer so that when you come to church, you're never surprised with what you see happen because you've already seen it. You've already won the victory in the Holy Ghost. That's why it's so important to pray for your leaders. You lift up Bianca and Kinto. How would you like to be over dozens and dozens and dozens of teenagers right now? You're just happy to get them out of your house a couple times a week. Send them to the church. With Draylen and Kelsey and this music team, don't ever say anything negative. Lift them up. Lift them up. Lift them up. You know why? Because if they go down, the whole thing goes down the toilet. Bible said when a tree falls, it's the little trees that suffer. Bible talks about when big things fight, there's a lot of grass that gets stomped. I've asked the Lord to take me before I ever. The man that preceded me loved many women. The man that preceded that man had a woman problem. I don't want this church. I remember when I'd been here five years because the two men before me had been here for five years and that's when it all hit the fan. The bovine excrement hit the squirrel cage blower, you could say. And I remember getting over that five year hump and saying, dear God, please, if you see in my future or in my present an occasion where I will bring shame and reproach on the church, you take me because I'd rather go right now and die 
than live and do anything that brings any type of embarrassment or shame on this church family. Because I promise you, when the preacher gets in trouble, lots of people get in trouble. And when other ministries in the church get in trouble, I looked at our team a week ago, I've got the strongest team I've ever had in my life around me right now. I can't thank them enough for their willingness to serve and sacrifice because they literally have this church on their heart. And so there have been times in the past of this church that we get over 300. There were a couple of times we closed on on four and then it, we never got any further. I'm gonna tell you why that happened. Because of your pastor. Because your pastor didn't grow as quickly as he was supposed to. And the Lord that I serve made a promise. I'm not giving you the battle in one whack. I'm going to give it to you little by little. I'm going to give you a victory here, a victory there, a victory here. Yesterday, I was driving alone, and I saw one of the biggest deer I've ever seen in my entire life. Except it wasn't alive. Macomb County Animal Control was loading it on the back of a truck. I'm talking about a moose. Any whitetail hunter would have been ecstatic to have this deer. And I, I watched those two men load that over 300 pound carcass on the back of that. And then I saw him turn him over and his hip was broken, side was all crushed. Listen to these verses that I read to you. The Lord said, I'm not going to let you cut the whole forest down. You want to know why this deer got killed yesterday? I'll tell you why. Because right there around them, they're building three new subdivisions. And in the last four months, they have cut down every tree for as far as you can see. And that deer's got nowhere to go. So what's he do? He wrecks your car and could wreck your life. And there are times in the Holy Ghost, I'll say, come on, God. Give us a great, mighty harvest. Cut it all down. <coughs> and the Lord said, not a chance, Harold. Because if I give you everything you want right now, the beasts aren't going to have anywhere to go except to attack you. And you're not ready to take on those beasts yet. So I'm going to give you the victory a little by little. And what I'm asking for you, Harold, is not to question me. But I'm asking you to question your own consecration. Because I'm not going to give you something that's going to make your head swell. I'm not going to give you something that's going to make you think you're really something. I'm not going to give you something that's where you're going to brag and shoot off your mouth about what happened in first church. Don't you ever forget this, Harold. This is my church, not yours. If the preacher will grow, the body will grow. But I'm not going to allow you to have a victory that will destroy you because of your pride, because you're not ready yet. 
So it's my imperative right now for the last years of my ministry not to stop and to get in retirement mode and feather my retirement nest, but to pray more now than I ever have, to give myself to the word more now than I ever have. Little, don't be, don't get frustrated with what's going on right now. Just keep your prayer life intact. Stay in the word. I got a, I was on vacation and I got a text from a young minister in this church. I was stunned at, at, at the quality and the, 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 the just the, the content of this text that he sent me. And I, I, I sent him back a, a text quickly and said, I have never heard anybody say this before. I've been around preachers all my life. I've never heard anybody say what you just said. And that young minister said, I fell in love with the Lord a couple years ago, Pastor. But not too long ago, I fell in love with his word. And he said, it's brought me such joy. And all I could do was say, had a boy, had a boy, had a boy. I've been waiting on it a long time. But if God would have surrounded me with the people that I have now, I would say, look what I got. What's your problem? How come you can't get a team like I have? How come you don't have 100 people in prayer on Monday night? The day will come when we'll have 500 people in prayer. The day is coming when other area churches will allow their people to come to our prayer meeting. Because we, Michael and I, we've been talking. How many, I, I heard Anthony Mangan say something a couple years ago, and I never forgot it. He said, I take as much time to prepare to lead a service as I do if I know I'm preaching in that service. And when he said that, it stunned me. And I thought, my God, I never heard anybody say that. Because if you're not preaching, you just get up there and say, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh, I feel Holy Ghost here. Hallelujah, hallelujah, you know. And we'll take up the offering, do a little there, and here, here, here's Johnny, you know. You bring out the preacher. But Anthony Mangan taught me, he said, put as much attention in what you're gonna say before the words preached as the minister does with his preaching. And so a couple weeks ago, I was talking with these leaders and I said, I don't know anybody that approaches a prayer meeting with as much intensity and preparation as they do a church service. Let's start preparing for prayer the same way we do for a church service. To where it's not just everybody filtering in and going hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want this prayer meeting to get to a point where you don't have any idea what's going to happen here. I want to bring in Sister Mangan and let her Skype to us and talk to us. I want to bring in ministries from around this country and around the world to encourage you to pray. I want it to be a place where people can bring the sick and we pray for the sick. I want it to be a place where people are filled with the Holy Ghost and say, let's go down to that prayer meeting. I'm not... Don't you get it? If the only way we increase our number is by having somebody come from another apostolic church, that's not growth, that's swelling. 
We got to grow. And the only way you do that is by reaching the lost. Clap and come with me. Clap and come with me. I'm asking you to make a covenant with me today under the Lord. Little by little, I'm gonna get better. I'm not asking you to be 100% better next year, next week. I'm asking you to be 1% better somewhere in your life than you are right here, right now. I'm asking you to get in that word and, 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 and consecrate yourself in prayer. Because if I ask you to do it and I don't do it myself, it's not gonna grow. God's not asking us to be successful. He's asking us to be faithful. And if we'll be faithful, it'll grow. But he's not gonna give us something that's gonna destroy us because there are beasts out there that are bigger than you and me and they'll bang up your car and your life. We need to just cut it down a tree at a time, not the whole forest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray and praise right now. Lord Jesus. Father, I could spend a lot of time asking you to forgive me for the, for the time that's been wasted, for the time that's been squandered, for words that should have been said that weren't said, for things that could have been done but weren't done. But I don't think that's going to accomplish anything except make me full of despair and for you to just wring your hands. I've got to live in today. I've got to live in tomorrow. I can't look over my shoulder anymore. So Father, as a pastor and as a church, as a shepherd and a flock, we make a corporate consecration unto you today that little by little, we're going to get better. And we are confident and we're so grateful, God, that you didn't bury us in success because we would have never been able to handle it. We would have become so arrogant. We would have become so proud. We would have become so self-righteous. We would have been holier than you yourself. So I am grateful, God, for the pace at which things are progressing because I realize you're willing and you want to help us but you're not going to give us something we can't handle. So little by little, Lord, our prayer meetings are going to get stronger. Our prayer life is going to get deeper. Our consecration to your word and to this city is going to become more intense. And one year from today, we're going to be in a place that far eclipses where we are right now. And we are not going to despise the day of small beginnings. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. If appropriate, I'd like you to pray for a brother or a sister right now. If appropriate, I would like you to put your hands on them. If appropriate, I'm asking you to make a commitment to prayer. If you're working tomorrow evening, I understand. If you have sickness in your home, I understand. But if you can come to prayer, I'm inviting you to join us in prayer. I'm inviting you to the battle on Monday night to make war on the floor. I'm inviting you not to just come here and lazily just utter a few words. 
we come together. Bless my brother. Bless my sister. Bless their home. Bless their family. Bless their business. You said wherever our foot goes, you will give that to us for an inheritance. You said that whatever our hand touches, you would give that to us for an inheritance. So I understand it's not running, but it's walking and it's touching. And I'm living in a world that's terrified of touching right now, but I'm not afraid of shaking hands. I'm not afraid of hugging necks. I'm not afraid of the virus. I want the victory. I want the victory. I want to be faithful right now, Lord Jesus. And I've got my hands on somebody whose family is under attack. I'm asking you, God, to use me right now to stand by them in the Holy Ghost. If I've got my hands on somebody, God, that is struggling physically in their body, I'm asking you, God, for a healing touch of virtue. I've got my hands on somebody that's never repented of their sins. I'm asking you, Lord, to allow that contrition to sweep over this place right now. And maybe for the first time ever, somebody would be smart enough to say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to help me. I ask you to help me. I tried it my way. My way doesn't work. I did it my way. All I did was make a mess of things. So I drop back right now and I submit myself to you. And I ask you humbly, take God thy Holy Spirit from me. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I pray for my pastor. I pray for his wife. I pray for his children. I pray, Lord. I don't want my champion to be defeated. I don't want my leader to go down in disgrace. I want my pastor to win. And if he doesn't, I'm in trouble. But if he does, I win as well. I pray for the ministries of this church. I pray for the area churches around us. But this is not something for our own backyard. But I'm believing you for first praise. I'm believing you for Brother Pittman. I'm asking you, Lord, for him and his sweetheart that this would be a year of harvest in first place. We fought the beast. We fought great battles. I'm believing you for the church in Ferndale. I'm asking you for Brother McCool, God, that you would bless that good man. I'm asking you for Brother Harper. I'm asking you for Nathan Hayes right now. I'm believing you, God, right now. Oh, 